When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host, Anne Griffer, and there is lots to talk about today. We've got some Sussex updates, some Cambridge updates, some general royal family updates. And I'm joined, as ever, by my friend and colleague, Russell Myers, Daily Mirror Royal Editor. Nice to see you, Russell. Very nice to see you, Anne. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good, I'm good. We're here. So, but I think it would be remiss not to start the episode by paying tribute to Captain Sir Tom Moore, who died earlier this week. And we were big fans of what he did last year. He was coming up to his 100th birthday and he walked 100 laps of his garden and he wanted to raise the princely sum of £1,000. And then he raised millions and millions and millions for NHS charities and got Spitfire fly pass and a knighthood from the Queen and those lovely pictures from the summer when there was sunshine and kind of hope that we were all coming through the other side and celebration. But sadly, he, um, he was being treated for pneumonia and then he tested positive for COVID as well. So he he sadly died this week, but the tributes and memories that he created, I think I would think he would be astounded by if he was here to if he was here to hear them. And I'm sure that his family appreciate all of the kind of kind messages that have been coming their way because you know he was he was an extraordinary man and really lifted people's moods in a very difficult time you were a big fan as well weren't you Russell last yeah year. it was it was because I it's really sad actually that you know he's passed away and you think that I, I just love the sentiment of a couple of commentators that have come out that you Captain Tom embodied the spirit of that even in your hundredth year you can change the world and that's really really stayed with me actually and I think that um Obviously, there was an awful lot of commentary about it yesterday after the news emerged. And I thought that the Queen's statement was was very personal. Um, I'll just read a bit. It said, the Queen is sending a private message of condolence to the family of Captain Sir Tom Moore. Her Majesty very much enjoyed meeting Captain Sir Tom and his family at Windsor last year. Her thoughts to those of the royal family are with them, recognising the inspiration he provided for the whole nation and others across the world. And it was across the world. And uh, no um, more signified by the fact that the White House tweeted yesterday, not even just the UK embassy over in America, but the White House tweeted and said, um, you know, sharing the nation's grief for a a wonderful war hero um, and, you know, a celebrated fundraiser. And I think that the, the impact that he had cannot be underestimated, not only, you know, trying to uh, see what he could do, what he could change, Um, himself during the pandemic and it was to walk laps around his garden and raise a half thousand pounds for NHS charities and then obviously that spiralled into a national campaign that wasn't really of his doing it just sort of got swept up in the emotion of it all and um, and I think it's it's over 33 million with the gift aid it's up to sort of 39 million pounds isn't it which is an absolutely extraordinary sum of money and he leaves um, an incredible legacy behind him. Incredible legacy and I think you know the 
the pictures from last summer, obviously it was outdoors and it was socially distant, but the Queen was kind of resplendent in bright colours. And you could, there was a genuine feeling of sort of warmth between them because he clearly had huge respect for her, but she appreciated him. And apart from anything else, I mean, aside from having breakfast each morning with Prince Philip and what have you, there's not that many people that she gets to meet who are older than her. Who oh gosh! Look absolutely, up to. absolutely. And I, I, I sort of tweeted the, photo, the the video yesterday. I went back through my camera roll and, and, and looked at the video, and I knew it was there about um, when she knighted um, Sir Tom. And so, but if you zoom into some of the still images, it's really beautiful. How, but she's absolutely beaming. It's a superbly sunny day. But the Queen was in her element of meeting him, and you could tell she was in complete awe of him a war hero a man who spoke so positively you know this hashtag or his saying that came out tomorrow will be a better day um and i just think that that is something that we could all remember at times like this right and Piers morgan had him on his life stories program and i think that one of the things that resonated with me with sir tom is said you know there's always been bad times um in his life and even you have your bad day or another bad day we think you must have a positive outlook on life and i know that you know we all can have the the sort of blues at the moment the clouds can come in with another lockdown and when are we ever going to get out of this mess but if we all have the positivity like that then um then we'll all be a little better for it i'm sure yeah so obviously the, the queen's sort of various messages of we will get through we will meet again we will be together again get get quoted and and captain tom is the other one so absolutely you know, really quite quite extraordinary and um he will be remembered i'm sure for a long long time so um yes thoughts thoughts to his family and i think um you know he's sort of emblematic of of hope and also i guess loss for for a lot of people because it has been a, a difficult difficult year for so many people so um thoughts to all those who have um who have suffered sort of bereavement and um tragedy this year um but we are here to liven things up and cheer you up um so th- thank you to the person who left us a review saying we were getting you through the pandemic that was a very nice thing to say and i squirreled it off and used it as the final line of an award submission so cross your fingers that we get we get nominated and thank you to the listener who who left that review that was very help very very helpful um so what has been going on in royal land over the last week well number one i was really miffed i didn't realize the documentary had been leaked on youtube i mean i know we shouldn't be applauding breaking copyright (laughs) and all of those kinds of things but oh goodness got to it too late only found out about it once it had been taken down how frustrating so what what has gone on and why and why don't why don't they want us to see it i mean i i can't think of anything more lovely than watching this sort of back in the day um documentary from the 60s and 70s um lost track of which which year it was but it was 69 it came out and uh, it was it started recording it in well, this sort of idea came up in 67. They, then they, they released it in 69. Um, I mean, it tried, it tried to humanise the royal family. And it was sort of like, the, it was the first ever reality show, really. Um, which Eat half out about, the Kardashians. Exactly. I'm obsessed about this link, about they could have been influencers before Meghan Markle came along. I mean, it's... it's the only way really, is Windsor. <laughs> I mean, it's an extraordinary time. But when... Um, I mean, I've, I've, I managed to catch a bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it's, 
it is an absolutely extraordinary window into the world. And I, and I, I'm of the opinion that they should have let it run because times have changed. It is a throwback to an, a bygone era. Um, and of course there are, well, we, we, we know they're a dysfunctional outfit anyway. So in, you know, the way it was presented was to try and humanize them to, to the general public. And I think they, they did go quite a long way in doing that. But obviously when it came out, it was such an unmitigating disaster that the queen was furious with it. And, um, and the senior courtiers, senior advisors, absolutely were furious with the way that they had been portrayed and, uh, and, and basically forced the BBC to agree for it never to be released again. So the BBC actually owned the copyright, and that's why there is an investigation at the corporation at the moment to determine who has actually mm, had acts exactly. Uh, who is the mole? Who has leaked this footage? Um, and obviously that's why YouTube were made to take it down because they had breached the copyright. Um, I think there's an awful lot made about whether the, the, the Queen had stepped in herself. I don't think that that was, uh, happened e exactly. Yes, exactly. Maybe got on the phone to the Director General or something. But um, uh, certainly that the, the, the bit, someone at the BBC is going to have their knuckles wrapped because this should not have found its way onto YouTube at all. And anyone who has seen it, um, I think has all all been united in the fact that um, that yeah it should it is an important sort of pe period of history and a, and an important historic document. So um, you know may maybe they'll be convinced to, to to do it once more, but maybe not. <laughs> it reminds me of two recent conversations with um, special guests, one which has already gone out and one which is yet to come. So the one which has already gone out was when I was chatting with Tom Jennings and he was talking about, you know, the Diana tapes that were in this sort of safety deposit box and things and sitting there and you get them out and listen to them and then being sort of an extraordinary record of that time and hearing them fresh. And, he's, you know, this... Similarly, this role of film must be sitting in some kind of, I don't know, filing system at the BBC or under lock and key somewhere um, to, you know, to keep it because clips have been allowed to be used, I think, for the Jubilee. So we've seen little snippets of it and that kind of thing. But the other thing it's reminding me of is a, a bit from an interview that I did yesterday with Elizabeth Bassford, who's written a um, biography of Princess Mary. And we got on to talking about, you know, the sort of the archives that are available to that kind of era, sort of the Queen's parents' age, and or her aunt in this case, versus the kind of archives that will exist now when everybody's, you know, it's not sending love letters, it's sending WhatsApp messages and emails and, you know, that kind of thing. And how do you get a, a record of other stuff and obviously this documentary is from a from a different era when i would imagine people were still sending letters very much and that kind of thing but it's just a different you know it, it is an important sort of record of things and and documentary maybe they, maybe maybe the queen could do a director's cut of of this documentary and turn it into something that is a is a happier portrayal she could sort of you know propagandize it i mean I'd, I'd still sit and watch it if it was the queen's version of events rather than how the bbc wanted or who the sort of directors wanted to show her as well there's definitely an appetite for it and i think that's quite interesting about how we do um categorize things and how we do sort of have these moments in history remembered um i don't i don't think it's right to have whitewashed it i think you should have let it run and and then you know try and work out a way to 
you know, to, to try and do a different project. I mean, they did it to Royal Lockout for Lord's sake. So, you know, it's... We uh, still need to arrange our, our watch along for that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> With some nice, like, I don't know, ridiculous drinks, I think. Virtual watch along. Um, because, yeah, I mean, it's a royal knockout. Goodness me. But, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully one day we'll get the, we'll get the documentary or we'll come back out. Or they could do a new and different one. If they didn't like that one, why don't they do a new one? That would be a, a different alternative. Yeah, I suppose it is a bit, you know, it's very, very polished now, isn't it? Because, you know, if you've got Charles's one to celebrate when he was 70, William's one about the environment... Um, uh, Harry and Meghan's one about being in South Africa and doing charity work. It's all very polished. And whereas this was very, very raw, um, I suppose when... Yeah, and and maybe it was, you know, the the production values are so so different. Um, It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be, I mean, great. I mean, there's a lot of talk whether William and, uh, sorry, William, uh, Harry and Meghan would even do a fly on the wall documentary for Netflix. I don't think that would happen, but obviously the if the money's there then then maybe maybe it'll be on the table, but I can't but it would be great, wouldn't it, to to have that sort of fly on the wall aspect of what royal life is and sometimes it's a, it's all a bit sanitized. Yeah, I think I think there's there's levels of behind the scenes though. There's sort of the behind the scenes of organizing the public life of like you know what goes into organizing trooping the color or a tour or or engagements and visits and that kind of thing and then there's the actual what happens behind closed doors and who has a row <laughs> who has a row over dinner and like you know Russell you've not done the washing up again or whatever you know that kind of <laughs> the, the sort of intimate family moments I guess which I think I mean that was why that documentary was so extraordinary sort of you know sort of barbecues and and the family spending time with each other rather than in their public duties. So I think, you know, we get, we do get glimpses of that now, I think, but sort of controlled through, through the social media that they release. So it is, it is interesting, but yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to be a fly on the wall in any of the Royal households to just, you know, just see what was going on. I mean, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different places that I would, I'd quite happily go be a flight. I mean, particularly because we've spent the last year within basically our own four walls. So going into somebody else's four walls would be a real novelty. Um, so talking of things that were one thing and then sort of disappeared or came out as something entirely different, this birth certificate row, what on earth is going on? <gasps> well, I mean... Go back to the beginning. And should we go back to the beginning? Okay. And explain what so a, a story a story ev- evolves, uh, appeared rather in a Sunday newspaper at the weekend, and it was spotted by an. E- I'm going to use a, f- a phrase from my own opinion piece, but it was a, a, an eagle-eyed watcher had spotted this difference, albeit 18 months after the event, which is I thought I found was quite hilarious. Um, now, the change that had been made was, there were two changes. Now, the, the, the story didn't focus on two changes, but there was, it was focused on one, obviously, to do with Megan, but there were two changes. Now, the omission of Prince had been made on Prince Harry's name. It just said, uh, you know, Harry, Duke of Sussex. Well, his, I mean, with all of his, his middle name? names. All of his middle names. It was Albert, David, Philip or something, isn't it? So... You've, you had that and with the omission of Prince. So obviously that was uh, something that needed to be corrected, but there was another amendment made. And that was, in the first instance, it had Rachel, Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex. And in the second one, Rachel, Meghan, her, her two first names had been 
omitted. Now, this caused an awful lot of hoo-ha in this article. Royal commentators queued up to call it unprecedented. Maybe they were thinking all along of marketing themselves as you know, royal, this, that, and that. Um, and now nobody knew the actual reason. And certainly that piece didn't get down to the, the, the crux of why it happened. So I did a bit of investigating on the, on the Monday and spoke to a few people. And it seems that it was the staff at the palace, let's just say the palace for in the first instance, the staff at the palace had agreed with Meghan that it should be changed in line to be keeping with previous documents. And that was told to me that she had had her passport changed. Now, as a few other people sort of waded into this and said, you can't have titles on the American passport. Now, I don't think that is the case because um, I think you can have titles. If you are uh, his or her royal highness of a monarchy, you can have a title on uh, an American passport. And I'm still not altogether sure on this. It's conflicting information all out there. However, let's back up a bit. So Harry's has changed. We know why that's changed. Meghan then changes hers to be in line with previous documents. But So her previous documents or other royal birth certificate previous documents? No, her, her documents that she had changed after being married. Which is now, a right pain in the backside I mean, as any pops. woman who has gone through that situation will it's know ludicrous. i mean ludicrous and we didn't even have an hrh to deal with so and you didn't and you didn't have a palace full of um you know lackeys to get, lackeys, done, lackeys for to get yeah. done for you exactly Sadly not. So, so then these two documents have been changed to to be in keeping um with the the, the same processes however there is not a protocol for instance catherine has Catherine Elizabeth, Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Cambridge, on all three of her children's certificates. Um, Princess Diana drops her names. I think Fergie has always, or, or also dropped her name. Um, so, it's, it's, so they it's, just went by they just H -H, went, uh, Princess yeah, of Wales. H -R -H, exactly. And so the, the story in the Sunday newspaper said that it was a nod to Diana. I think that was a pretty uh, lazy assumption, to be honest. But... There is no set protocol. I've been assured of that. So it's up to personal preference. So certain commentators say maybe this was part of their plan to market themselves as his and her royal highness. Say, you know, when they were going to go to America, they would have been, you know, king and queen of the entertainment world. Let's, let's say that. Um, now, I think that was quite an unfair assumption. However, the, the petrol was poured on the fire by <laughs> Meghan's spokesman because they then released this statement saying that it was dictated to by the palace they didn't have anything to do with it it was nothing to do with Megan and it was because of a set rule of protocols and that isn't true the issue was um it wasn't dictated to by Buckingham Palace because at the time they had their own team at Kensington Palace who reported in to Buckingham Palace and then the palace essentially have said that it was nothing to do with them, Gov. So the plot thickens, and I think that it was an unfortunate turn of phrase, if we're being kind, and certainly that's how it was described uh, to me. Um, and I don't really understand why they sort of had the need to, to make this a, a, a big, big issue. Um, and it just seems to have made, it, uh, made the problem worse, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it is one of those things when you just think, oh, my goodness me, what is the point of all of this palaver about, you know, 
absolute nonsense in a couple of words. And also, if you think back to what a couple a couple of weeks after your little baby arrived, Russell, mm. would you have been able to have made a coherent plan in your head that you wanted to market yourself in eighteen months' time as as the king and queen of of anything? I mean, I can barely put my trousers on in the morning. To be honest with you, so I don't know about thinking straight at all. Uh, I I don't think it was anything to do with that. I think that. Yes, um, it may have been something to do with style. We don't know. But the, the, I think what, what the issue here is, is the tone of which, um, and that's certainly what people I was speaking to, they were quite bemused by the tone from Meghan's spokesman, um, talking about this, the, 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 a carnival of so-called experts have uh, pulled up to give their opinions. And the um, issue was with the palace and it had been dictated to by them. It was nothing to do with us. And that just made it worse, really. And I, I also think that there are there's still an, a, an awful lot of um, issues in the background here, and, uh, and 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 things like this just 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 make it worse, unfortunately. Oh, and it's all very public and all very silly. And I think I think there is also that thing that um, when people go and register the birth of a child, like. It was the first time that they had done it. Goodness knows whether the registrars had re- had to register previous royal babies. So you're reliant on what the parents tell you half the time. So like, if you'd gone in and said your name is like Russell Prince Harry Myers, they would have written that. I would. Well, I don't know. Do you have to show your passport of, of who you are, or can you just say I am I am Donald Duck, father of this child? Like, I imagine just... you've got it. I imagine I can't call myself Prince Harry. <laughs> So, so you have to probably show that was your middle name. Proper identification. I wonder if you could change your by poll to <laughs> King or something. That'd be good, wouldn't it? That'll be. I think that's totally doable. <laughs> I won't make you do that for a feature. But you know, if if Harry's asked or Meghan is asked, you know, what is what is your name to write down on that document? And they do have they do have variations on their names. And I, well, I don't know who. Maybe they saw how it all came out afterwards and thought, oh, I can't. We can actually we can have done that differently. I'd rather be this. Who knows? Anyway, like people just need to calm down. I think. Well, I think it was someone in the office changed it or or had done the original document, and then then it was definitely changed. And I can't understand how that would have been changed without Megan's say so. So is it surely it's a ludicrous situation to presume that somebody is changing an official document by a member of the royal family without them giving the okay to do it, and that's. We shall leave it there because I don't think, I just think it's a, a mountain out, made out of a molehill. And. But we're all oh. stuck around with nothing else to I do. Know, and therefore we pour <laughs> over it minutely, minutely. Anyway, um, one place where um, the Sussexes have come out definitely sort of on top this week is they've had uh, undisclosed damages, but also a statement read out in court after the action against the um, newspaper which published saying that Prince Harry basically lost touch with the Royal Marines and um, hadn't hadn't been kind of living up to his his role with them. Yeah, no, so I, again, another lawsuit, another week, another lawsuit for the Sussexes. But I, I do feel that this is something uh, deep, deeply, deeply passionate about. I mean, with uh, lots of people have poured over the wise and whatnots of, uh, of Meghan's uh, case against the Mail on Sunday and whether that is going to go to trial. We'll obviously, f- I think we're due to find out next week, really. It should be the judge be coming back with his decision, we were told, about two weeks. Um, 
and whether that will go to trial, whether it should go to trial. But this seemed pretty clear cut. Now, this was a, a, an article in the, in the Mail on Sunday that interviewed um, some former generals who were saying that, they, that, that Prince Harry had essentially abandoned his military uh, background and, and, and the Royal Marines were certainly unhappy with the with the way that he'd sort of just taken off into the sunset and uh, and and left them behind and that was uh couldn't be further from the truth um i think to, to to be honest this it was a clear clear-cut case and that's why it's been settled out of well it's, it's been set, they've reached substantial damages settlement um that harry is donating to charity um yes and he he still has these huge huge connections to the military he doesn't want to give up his military association to military titles. I, th I personally think that will be very, very difficult for him to um, to hold on to because they are honorary titles. He's not a working member of the royal family anymore. So I, personally, I think it's a very, very clear-cut decision for the Queen that the Queen needs to make. Other names have been banded around, obviously, whether it will be Charles or Anne or William could take over as potential Captain General of the Royal Marines. Um, but certainly this had cut deep to Harry and a lot of people will be uh, sided with him to say that he has uh, a complete right to um, to fight his corner when he thinks he's been misrepresented like that. And it does, it does seem that that is one of the major sort of discussion points around the review because it is because it does feel like the best sort of the last vestiges of royal life that Harry well Harry and Meghan do want to to keep a hold of is that sort of military connection like do you think do you think a, a new alternative role maybe perhaps not retaining those sort of honorary honorary positions but having a role whether it's with a sort of related charity or you know sort of I've now got pictured in my head, you know, the Irish wolfhound that comes out every year at St Patrick's Day. I don't think Prince Harry can be the kind of the the, the mascot, mascot yes. but but some kind of different, new and different way, and in some ways more meaningful, I guess. Yes. Because if, I mean, if you're the honorary this, that, and the other, you get to wear the uniform, and yes, you have some. Um, you have some duties to do as well I'm sure and to a certain extent it's probably what you make of it but to have something that was more meaningful rather than honorary does that but, feel like it's something that could happen but I, but again I, I think that the Invictus Games is is potentially more meaningful than than an honorary title as Captain General of the Royal Marines I mean this is a huge project that's been had global success surely there's no better a platform for him to operate on make the Invictus Games unfortunately you know this week the Invictus Games has been delayed once more sensibly it was, let's face yes. it and it was inevitable of course I don't think it was a surprise to anyone you have um, you know competitors from all over from all different nations um, coming to, to one place in, in Europe it was never really going to work however terribly sad it's going to happen in 2022 one would hope um, but the, the the real issue here is make that bigger and better. It's already gone from strength to strength every single year. So make that bigger and better. Really focus on what you could do. Maybe there could be an offshoot of it for the Royal Marines, for different um, platoons or sections of the armed forces. I just don't think that uh, you can keep those titles if they are entrenched in being a member of the Royal Family or a working member of the Royal Family. Why, why, want to, why want to keep them? I think that you know, he's already gone in a different direction. He's already 
um, it said that he doesn't want to be part of the institution anymore. So go and go and you know set your own path and and make it a success because I'm I'm sure that he could do if he, if he um if he put his mind to it. Yeah, and he, Prince Harry was involved in the sort of joint message that was put out as the Invictus Games was postponed until spring next year. Hopefully, come on, let's have it. Let's have it Surely. next year. That would be Surely. great. Um, and talking about it as another way for people to show sort of resilience and and getting through it all. So, um, that is clearly something that he does remain hugely involved in and will continue to be but i have a question for you from a reader at russell mm. um or a listener in fact um so catherine Kalar got in touch on instagram um, thanks for your various messages catherine but this one i thought i would share with the listeners and russell and to have a chat about because i've got a few few thoughts on it and i'm sure russell will as well um so catherine says why no conversation about the mental health initiative peak fortem that harry launched last week for first responders in australia it is an extension of his head fit work with military personnel in the uk i've noticed that you tend to ignore harry's projects related to the military this is one of several things that he's launched or supported that you haven't talked about at all nor have you discussed the reporting occasion the reported occasions where he has zoom called or written to military personnel or military organizations even though it's been publicized this is a pattern by many of the rotor and the tabloids so in terms of and i, I will be i will be 100 honest i had not been aware of that specific initiative until catherine brought it to my attention um one of the things that i think it's partly down to is believe it or not that harry and megan don't actually have their own social media outlets which is the main that is the main way that i follow the royals and what they're up to and i look at the royal family's feed and the clarence house feed and um the kensington royal feed and and other various things but when you're working with lots of disparate groups and associations then it can be quite you know not as um uh easy to spot new things new things popping up i think we used to see it back in the day when um the royals would make like a a, a surprise visit or a private visit to some charity or whatever that they were involved with and that charity would put it up on their specific social media account but it would take quite a lot of long time to sort of filter through because it hadn't gone out through the official channels although well done to anybody when they spotted it really quickly they got they got bonus and brownie points and um, you know, I, I'm not personally, I'm not here looking at this all day, every day. Sadly, I have to do, I have to do my day job as well. But I, I think that is one of the areas where more people have heard of Prince Harry than have heard of Peak Fortem and people would be following Prince Harry for what he is doing and to have that platform to share the positive work that you are bringing is a really um, powerful and positive thing to do. Um, and also, I was just wondering, I don't know how much the lines of sort of communication are are open in terms of what's going on. So, you know, I various people who are writing books, they send emails and say, we've got a book. Would you like to talk about something? So they, they bring it. They don't rely on me um, going to them. I mean, fine. Prince Harry doesn't need to email me personally and let me know what is what is going on. But I was wondering what the communication relationship is like these days with the Sussexes sort of media team and because when they first made that break they talked about sort of having some particular you know some new journalists or not really working with the rotor and that kind of thing so how how has that all shaken out and how do we hear about what they are up to 
Well, we don't. And let's not beat around the bush. It was their decision to have a no cooperation standpoint with certain, uh, you know, some of the biggest media organisations in the UK and indeed the world. You're talking about taking News UK, our biggest company, uh, you know, Daily Mirror is part of the biggest publisher um, in the whole of the UK. So um, exactly. And and then the Daily Mail, Mail Online to have sort of no cooperation with these people, I, I, I personally think was a, a matter of sort of cutting your nose off to spite your face. Because if you do not have an association with um, the you know organisations, then you you can't get your message out there. And especially you, they don't have a social media page anymore that we're follow, we that we can follow. Um, we're led to believe that they're not going to have one in a personal capacity. Whether that involves Archwell as well, I mean, I've already said that. I thought that was to drive traffic to their website that they've set up, and that may or may not be the case. Um, I mean, in terms of with Pete Fortum, I, I had actually spotted this article, but it's, I mean, it's in Australia. Hello to our Australian listeners. I mean, I imagine this really affects you, but if I was writing for a UK publication, it doesn't affect anyone in the UK. And potentially, because of, if this had landed in my inbox, I would have potentially thought, well, We've already had our front line, which was the initiative from the Royal Foundation. Um, we've done a bit on that, about speaking about mental health as first responders. William has spoken at length about um, you know, p- p- these sorts of values and, and how important it is. And it, and it doesn't make it any less important that Harry is, on, is doing it as well. It just means that it's not necessarily for our audience. And potentially, yes, we should have discussed it on the podcast, as we do have... Um, a global reach, don't we, Anne? Yes, we welcome we everyone. Everyone, everyone, wherever you are, glad to and have it's you just, with us. Um, it just, it, 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 that le- that level of uh, cooperation and conversation has been shut down now. For um, you know, if I was ever doing a story with Harry or uh, about Harry and Meghan, I will always, as a matter of courtesy, drop their team a line, um, and, and we just don't get any responses. That is up to them. That is their prerogative. I mean, I'm still doing my job. As a, as a journalist, checking the facts and making sure that they are um, given a right of reply. Um, but if they choose not to engage, that, that's, uh, that's entirely up to them, isn't it? And, and I, think, I think they're losing out, as we, we potentially are losing out as well, because we're not getting to find out about these initiatives. We're waiting for them to be broken uh, by some, you know, the, the US press or some of the friendly press that they're engaged with. Um, you know, and may, maybe there will be a time where there's you know, enough water under the bridge as they see it, but I can't see that, that. Yes, I can't see that so that's going to happen all the while that they are firing off these lawsuits to, um, you know, about tabloid and making these comments about tabloid newspapers. And let's not forget that uh, these so-called tabloid newspapers are some of the biggest campaigning newspapers in the world. And I think that uh, it's a, it's just quite an unfortunate. Um, junction that we find ourselves in at the moment. So we do we do try to talk about as many things as possible and over a variety. But if ever there's anything anybody wants us to talk about or thinks that we should be and aren't, then always feel free to uh, flag to us on Twitter and on Instagram. We won't can't promise to tackle everything because some weeks there is a lot happening, other weeks a little bit less so. Um, Travelist is also on um, Prince Harry's radar. I saw he was um, sort of quoted on that as well. So we know that to not travel again is not an option. It is our role. It is our obligation to assist recovery and forge the right path forward, a path where we can again explore our world and expand our horizons 
whilst the natural environment and wildlife flourish and communities are supported that is what we mean by sustainability in tourism and is what we strive towards as travelists so that's again a live project that harry continues to work on that was a sort of his message in the sort of forward for this year's um activities so that is happening um right things to look forward to hopefully i mean so invictus sadly cancelled i mean i can't see the olympics going ahead much as i love the olympics but anyway one thing that may or may not go ahead is the g7 coming to cornwall where i'm from and you know i hope for cornwall's sake and for all of the leaders who get to go to fabulous cornwall that it does happen so that's due to be in june which will be Joe Biden's first trip over since the inauguration, which would be exciting. And he would get to visit the Queen. Yes, I mean, it's it's very exciting, June, isn't it? Because there's obviously tubing the colour. You have um, Prince Philip's 100th birthday, which will be, we hope, a big occasion. I'm sure it will be a big occasion within the royal family, even if we don't get to see some, uh, some big celebrations. Um, and it will be the G7 in Cornwall as well, as you rightly say. This it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out because by that stage, fingers crossed, we'll be in a very good position with vaccinations. Um, you would imagine people can travel for work, so uh, there will be uh, a, a rite of passage, shall we say, to come into the country and to to still have this. Um, but it all depends on so many factors, doesn't it? And uh, yes, Biden will be here. With uh, been reports that the Queen will lift um, host this soft diplomacy reception at Buckingham Palace, no doubt attended by Prince Charles, uh, Duchess of Cornwall, William and Kate will be there. Um, so it will be uh, a very interesting period, I think, for this, you know, for our special relationship. Um, and I hope all the G7 leaders get to see the wonder that is Cornwall as well. And I hope that it will be safe for them to do so, because it is fair to say that Cornwall, certainly sort of at various stages, you know, it's, for those of you who don't know Cornwall, it's basically the foot of Great Britain. It's right off in the far southwest and it's fabulous, lovely coastline and all of amazing things, nice food, great stuff. But it's also, you know, it is it's kind of rural and far away from the urban centres that were the initial sort of peaks of, of coronavirus. But it is popular with holidaymakers. So when people were trying to head down there um, at the various times when coronavirus was particularly bad and in fact there's a story today about someone traveling 300 miles from Eastbourne to go surfing on a jet surfboard and the local people not being very happy about this so you can just imagine them like barricading the Tamar Bridge and all the different um, ways into the county to keep out the world's leaders and media as the G7's coming up but I think actually everybody's very excited about it and it is something to look forward to and hopefully we'll be in a position to go ahead with it. Um, so what's happening this week? This week is Children's Mental Health Week. I thought that um, that video that Kate did with sort of a bobble hat on, just sort of selfie style, I thought, number one, she's done a good job here working out what she, what she wanted to say and remembering it because I'm quite hopeless. At that, I was very impressed. That kind of thing. Unless she's got she a wasn't little... Well, no, I don't think she was because she's staring into the phone. It's pretty difficult to... You can get like an auto cue thing on your phone, but I don't think she had that because you'd see the no. eye moving. It no, felt... it wasn't. I th it was very natural, I thought. So I thought that was great. And this whole thing about like expressing yourself this week and they're showing, pi showing pictures of the sort of gingerbread man style pictures that um, kids at a school have been, have been drawing. So that's a 
a good um a good message to get out there. it so wasn't a like, se- i mean people are saying it was a selfie it wasn't a selfie it was a video i mean it's a selfie video you can have a selfie that's <laughs> that a video thing? is that a thing video selfie maybe it's that way around it's when you well, take listen, a picture I mean, of yourself, I, I thought i thought it was very good i thought she was very relaxed i mean i um maybe because you had been describing uh, homeschooling as exhausting and all the kids running around maybe she had to escape to a the nearest field or a field well, very outside. far away. Being outside, outside makes you feel good. So that's good set up as well with the sort of mic. There was no sort of background noise. Daniel will be very interested in uh, in the production better, values, I'm sorry. Better than Fergie's video for sure. <laughs> with them <laughs> blowing God, wind yeah. blowing. Yeah. But what I did I, I can't get a heart for a compass. Oh well done. <laughs> tremendous. Thanks, tremendous. Um yeah, so she's talked about turning hairdresser for the kids as well. And so, Very good. Like, chopping oh, we the haven't lockdown discussed lock. this. Crimper. She's become a lockdown crimper. I love this story. Come on, um, tell me more. Well, I just thought, again, so, yeah, it's, a lot of people were sort of giving her a bit of hard time because this was part of a video, a video call that she did with uh, some parents from uh, a school in the lead-up to Mental Health Week. And all these parents were were asked by the head teacher of this school, there were three, three, four parents, including Kate, and then the teacher said, you know, write one sort of show and tell game, write one word down on a piece of paper to describe how lockdown the last few months has made you feel homeschooling. And Kate wrote it exhausted, while the others wrote uh, challenging, chaotic, hectic, I think was another one. Um, and, I, and, and Kate wrote exhausted. Well, God, I'm pretty sure there are millions of parents around the country and around the world who know about that those uh, those feelings entirely. And whether you are living in a very nice stately home, such as Amber Hall, popping over to Granny's big house to do your work, um, I'm sure with three kids running around the place, I'm sure, you know, it's very, very handy to have a nanny. Maybe they should have, she just should have said how lucky she is. But... It, you know, what's the level of exhaustion? Well, I'm sure we're all tired of just going through the monotony of the day. However, that wasn't the most interesting part for me. The most interesting part was that she made a little joke saying that the uh, the kids have sort of been running away in horror after she'd been chasing them around with a pair of scissors because she'd been trying, <laughs> not literally, I'm sure, but um, <laughs> trying to cut their lockdown barnets. Maybe I'll get her over to... Well, yeah, my, I was uh, going to say, you could get Kate to getting a bit get, wild. give you a trim. <laughs> um, well, I thought that was quite funny, and I thought the video call in um, in the lead up to Child, Child Children's Mental Health Week was quite raw. Actually, they were talking about it wasn't normally the you know I mean, William and Kate can sometimes get a bit samey samey, can't they, about talking about you know, the, the mental health aspect of things and you know, talking about their own endeavours. Well, this was very very personal, and they were speaking about lockdown and how it's affected parents. And how there's, you know, you have to do the maths homework or do the cooking or make sure one's not tearing the clumps out of the other one. Um, and I, and if you haven't checked it out, check it out because I I, I thought it was um, it was a really good lead up. And again, this other video that she's done in the middle of a field, we we don't have any explanation as to why she's gone into the middle of a field for that. But she was talking about the need for kids to keep active and not only just keep get outside, do their exercise, but to keep their minds active and occupied um, and whether that's poetry or reading or looking at things maybe on YouTube there's lots of resources and theatre courses out there that the kids can get involved in but you keep keep your mind active make sure you're talking to people about how you're feeling throughout this whole uh, throughout this whole episode um, 
and again turn the music on and do some dancing do some dancing. lights or not just listen to your favorite podcast exactly I'm just gonna, let I'm it not, all out i don't know um, what dance you do to us russell i'm not sure we're like a, a waltz yeah, i mean this is we, we need another step. jingle we need the jingle we need the jingle um <laughs> I mean, this week, last week, I think about how she's been doing these. Uh, I think I mentioned, didn't I, about how she's had these meetings early years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely has seen this week. She's had another couple of meetings. It was in the court circuit with early years. So um, I've been told that she's been busy planning the next stage of the early years uh, development interventions because obviously the pandemic has changed the landscape so much to do with early years development. There are kids who haven't been to school for the best part of the year, and that is gonna have a massive, massive effect, not only on their sort of mental health, their social well-being, their education. And uh, and certainly Kate is going to be leading the charge to make sure that the there are um, resources and issues that are really coming to the fore for, for when teachers and, uh, and, educa- and educators are, are are dealing with children who have um, who've been out the education system for so long. So Kate's got this kind of big outreach work going on, but she's also clearly had a lot of influence closer to home in terms of improving relations between her husband and her father-in-law. Over yes, time. this this was an interesting story, and I've I've previously written about sort of um, Kate being the the queen of diplomacy, if you will. That the she was um, instrumental in getting the boys back together when they were having their sort of ruckus. Uh, she organised for for uh, you know, William and her to go over to Frogmore Cottage in the early days and have uh, a sort of cup of tea with um, with William, uh, with with Harry and Meghan. And and it seems as though you know Ch- Charles has always been labelled as a, a workaholic. He's been labelled as someone who isn't necessarily the the most um, family orientated person, shall we say? And that that rang true in this piece at the weekend about that Kate was very very instrumental in getting him to be more involved with his grandchildren's lives and popping over to Anne Mahal coming over for Sunday lunch and taking uh, you know the children out on walks or just getting involved with the grandchildren and that has really sort of helped his relationship with William I mean William's become a father himself he's now um, blazing a path on the sort of environmental stage essentially taking over from Charles a little bit, even though Charles has got his huge sustainable markets initiative, the Terra Carta project that we spoke about recently, this big, big project that is again sort of on a global level like Earthshot that William is doing, although they're moving in different directions. Um, and, And obviously when William does become the Prince of Wales, it's going to be quite difficult for Charles when he becomes king to really speak out on these environmental issues and he's going to have to stay even more apolitical. But that will give, um, you know, William a real chance to get involved and they're sort of laying the foundations already for that. And I do think there is more of a a great deal of respect between the two men moving forward and uh, and apparently it's all, all to do with Kate. I don't think Prince Charles will be quiet when he's king. I don't think he needs to be. I think you can keep, you have to keep reinventing things. You can't keep things the same forever. So maybe, maybe he'll carry on. Um, so, well, and Prince Charles has been in touch with Joe Biden already as well. He has. I have an exclusive story about Prince Charles has written a personal letter to, uh, to new US President Joe Biden and obviously congratulating him on his, um, his tremendous victory i sound like trump actually a tremendous victory <laughs> doesn't I? but you know his hard-fought victory against donald trump 
Um, and I think that you know, essentially, the people I've been speaking to are saying that the uh, that Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales, is hugely encouraged by Joe Biden's plans to make the global climate crisis a top priority. And the reason that this is, as obviously Charles is celebrating his 50th year campaigning on the environment, as we well know, he's had a um, hugely busy year with the Sustainable Markets Initiative, the Terra Carta project, awful lot of things going on there. But Joe Biden, within hours of taking office uh, after his inauguration, on my birthday, no less, January 20th, um, but within hours of taking office, he made, uh, what's it called? The, uh, a, the Paris Climate Yes, thing. no, but he makes a, uh, he signs Executive that order. Executive order, that's it. See, it's polished around here. He made an executive <laughs> order um, rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. And the reason this is so important, it goes against everything that Donald Trump was about, about sort of, you know, don't worry about anyone else. This is America first. Whereas America as a global superpower has a real responsibility, Biden believes, to get this at the top of not only the country's agenda, but make them a global voice for it as well. And what is really, really interesting is the fact that he has brought John Kerry back into the fold. And obviously, John Kerry, former US Secretary of State, hugely respected statesman as well, that Prince Charles, no less, has a fantastic relationship with. And they go back years and years and years, and they've actually kept in contact. John Kerry is a huge, huge advocate for uh, tackling climate change. And Joe Biden, describing him last week as his best buddy, he brought him in to be the new special presidential envoy on climate change. And this is why there is so much excitement between the two, in the two camps. Charles has met Biden before, of course, in 2015. He was welcomed uh, into a meeting with Camilla Biden by the actual, uh, the, 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 the pre uh, president at the time was uh, Barack Obama. And they had a meeting in the Oval Office. So they have, the, they have a, a relationship already if Biden does come over to uh, to the UK for this reception at Buckingham Palace that we hope is going to go ahead before the G7, hopefully they will uh, they will be having a, a bit of a, a sit down and a chinwag about how they can uh, sort of shape the world. So yes, definitely a lot of excitement in the two camps, I'm told. One to watch for sure. Not going to talk too much about Kristen Stewart, but she looks amazing in those in the pictures for the Princess Diana films and the props to everybody who's kind of finding the matchy-matchy pictures where uh, that she's kind of inspired by because it, it, it looks incredible. It'll be interesting to see what's going on. If you haven't yet listened to the episode with um, Tom and Jennings talking about the Diana tapes, I'll just give that one another shout out and thanks to everybody who who said nice things about that episode and any episode that we've ever done. It's always, it's always nice to get good reviews. Um, but I wanted to talk about about um, Prince William getting a hold of, of the Twitter again and for very good reason. So I can remember him talking with P Peter Crouch on the podcast last year, how he always, you know, when Aston Villa actually win a game, he wants to get a hold of it and send a tweet and they're like, no, calm, calm down, sir. Um, but this time he has sort of signed a message with the W because about a, a big and important issue in football and one that the mirror has been campaigning on for a long time actually about the problem of racism in football so um kensington palace sent a thread of three tweets which they also posted on their instagram racist abuse whether on the pitch in the stands or on social media is despicable and it must stop now 
we all have a responsibility to create an environment where such abuse is not tolerated and those who choose to spread hate and division are held accountable for their actions. That responsibility extends to the platforms where so much of this activity now takes place. I commend all those players, supporters, clubs and organisations who continue to call out and condemn this abuse in the strongest terms. Dash W. So it is a big... Um, it is a big issue. It's kind of sprung up again with some um, some black players who've been receiving racist messages on social media. And it's quite interesting because it, it very much echoes what Prince Harry has been saying recently about social media, that, you know, the kind of the, the negatives of it and that the platforms have a responsibility to help make it a more civil or you know more kind of uplifting space really rather than it turning into toxic mayhem i think that's totally right isn't it and this is absolutely as as will says this is despicable uh, and any right-minded person will echo the duke's comments on this and he's not only speaking as the you know, president of the fa because it's to do with football players he's also speaking as a human being i think but also uh, again he's he's even challenged the uh the social media big tech giants before and that was to do with kids mental health and how they need to you know really get their house in order um with trolling with bullying and this is just outrageous that this can to, to can go ahead um you know there have been issues like this before i was with him in 2019 at the at hendon football club when he was speaking about things like this and he said that he was fed up of dealing with this uh, fed up of hearing with it and we need to make an immediate change and unfortunately what are we 18 months um further on than this and still this is rearing its ugly head time and time again i mean how many times has raheem sterling spoken about this a celebrated black england and manchester city footballer marcus rashford i'm sure our uk um you know sport lovers know uh, uh, listeners know about him tremendous human being he's actually been fighting the war and food poverty to do with kids uh, getting meals when they're out of school under lockdown and he's actually getting this abuse i mean this is just absolutely insane so it's right that william made a personal intervention like this and hopefully as he says we all have the responsibility to create an environment where such abuse is not tolerated and he's totally right it isn't just up to the black uh, and ethnic minority players uh, and individuals figureheads to speak out about this. This is all about us as um, as allies to be speaking up and say that we won't tolerate anything like to do with this. And again, put pressure on the big tech giants to to say that, you know, this is absolutely not appropriate. So that is that is definitely rubbing up. I've just been while you were talking because in my head, like you and you and Prince William, because both of your football teams play in sort of claret and blue, you're like rival brothers for who's going to be like have the, have the higher up the Premier League and because we were convinced that Aston Villa were going down last year and they survived and then they had an incredible start to the season but they're now down in ninth with the mighty West Ham up in fifth Russell yes and they're but playing tonight they're playing tonight they're each other yes we're playing each playing other my, my next door neighbour is an Aston Villa fan so we're very excited around here oh, so it's the Russell Myers Prince William Derby tonight it is it is and, <laughs> So if if Aston Villa win, they have two games in hand. So uh, they will they would go level with you if they beat you. Mm, mm, anyway, but they won't. They won't. I'm sure of it. I'm, I mean, I'm I've sure never been be... more confident in anything. 
<laughs> and by the time this podcast goes out, you will know where the Russell <laughs> yes, is. Exactly, right? yeah, Carl has yeah. got egg all over his face. But um, we had better get on because Russell's got some important meetings to go to, planning things and like learning about stuff. And I've probably got some things that I should do, even if it is only make lunch. But listeners, uh, thank you for joining us for another week galloping through the various engagements of the royal family. We look forward to doing it with you again very soon. But please do stay safe and stay well. And until next time. Odds and the Queen!